This is the Pete Carroll Show. All right, here we go now, here we go now, here we go. On Cairo Radio 97.3 FM, where the 12s hear the Hawks. The Pete Carroll Show is brought to you by Pizza Hut and the Pro Club. Now with Seahawks head coach Pete Carroll, here's Dory Monson. Here we are, Friday before game day, and that means it is time for our weekly visit with the head coach, of the Seattle Seahawks, Pete Carroll joins us. Coach, always great to talk with you. Yeah, good to check in. Just <laughs> do some business here. Come on. Okay, okay. I know it's always more fun after a win than after a game like last Sunday. But you, I mean, I'm, what, I'm, I'm glad you think of our show as fun. That's great. I do. I, I do too. Yeah, you're, I do too. You're not. You define fun in my book. Okay. Oh, the, the, I'll do the show anyway. You don't have to pump me up. <laughs> One of the things that I thought about was that was only I, I couldn't believe this stat when we were talking about it after the game. That was only your second double digit loss at home in your Seahawks history. And that's just an amazing statistic, I think. Well, it's not the kind of st- statistic that you want to spout about, but um, <laughs> there is, a, I think it is a statement of consistency, and I'm proud of that. Okay. Uh, I got to see. I you know I did a lot of studying before the game. Watched a lot of tape, and but man, seeing Lamar Jackson in person—that's you know I I understand why there are those comparisons to Michael Vick. He's he's quite the athlete, Pete. Yeah, he's a fantastic athlete. He's he's a whole cut above the rest of the field, and and uh, and his burst uh, explosion, and and also his toughness about the way he runs. His style of running is. Very aggressive, more so than most quarterbacks, and, and uh, he really he, he can control the game. And he was do, he did a little bit of that in our game. Well, and as I was watching that, I don't know where he ranks on the pure athleticism scale, but uh, it did strike me to ask you who's who's the greatest athlete you've seen? Who's the greatest one you've coached? Well, um, there's a few guys that kind of jump out that I thought were the so extraordinary that they just stood out above. Randy Moss was one of those guys when he was young. Hmm. He was a guy that was so impressive and, and uh, that just separated. He was so much taller and faster than other guys. He just looked like he was a whole cut above. Uh, Barry Sanders was a guy that when on, when you coached against him on the field on game day, he just just wowed you with his explosion and change of direction and burst. You know, it just made him look like he was way better than the other guys. You know, and and. Uh, you know, I, I, those guys were guys that jump off the charts. I'm sure there's a bunch of guys that, that I would want to come and think of, but those were guys that were just extraordinary. Now, I thought Lamar was one of those guys who, at his position playing yeah. the game, separated more than, than uh, other players, and I think he's in that kind of a category as a unique, special player. Guys that coach, you know, I thought Troy Polamalu was one of the greatest players I've ever been around, um, an incredible player, um, speed, burst, instinct, savvy, you know, come through. I mean, every, he was an amazing football player. There's been a bunch of guys, and, but um, you know, when when it's all said and done, I'll, I know I'll look back at Russell as one of those guys, as one of the all timers. You know, and and uh, leave him out of the the discretion, you know, the decision making right now. But he he is an incredible player too. You know, that does things and has done things for a whole career. Well, you bringing Russell into the conversation that, that kind of led into what. I was thinking as you were talking about Moss and Sanders. Is it when I ask you who's the greatest athlete? Do, coming to your mind, is it just the measurables, the speed, the strength, or are there other intangibles no. that figure into greatness? 
No, it's not. Yeah, it's not. It's not just that. It, but they have to have. I mean, you asked me about the guys I've coached too. You know. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, yeah. But the. It's more than that. Yeah. It's to me. I would think of it as, if you just want to know the pure athletes, that's one thing. But I'm talking about pure players and you know, the guys who just were just better than other guys on the field and made other guys, you know, look different than themselves. You know that. There was nobody like Barry Sanders. He was an ex- extraordinary player. That, uh, but and, and I thought Moss was just likewise. I, m- I remember we saw Randy as a as a rookie in preseason when I was in New England, and uh, I had been coaching up the DBs about hey they don't draft a guy number one to not throw him a deep ball in preseason you know so get ready yeah. for it, and uh, sure enough the first time he takes off on a deep ball he runs right past everybody, and I don't remember if he caught it or not but when he went past the sidelines everyone went, holy cow what was that. You know, you just—it was just such a shock to see a guy like that. that you hadn't seen before, so yeah. That, I mean, that's what comes to my mind. That when you have on the field some of the greatest athletes in the world, it's hard for one of them to get separation from the rest. But uh, but but there are a few freaks out there who do. Yeah, you know, I, I'll give you another one. Lawrence Taylor, when we were at when I was at NC State and he was at North Carolina, he did things in the game uh, the first time we played against him that. I, mean, I didn't know who he was, and and he just jumped off off the game, you know, out of the game, uh, off the game field in such amazing fashion, doing things. That was a guy that, again, just shocked you with his with his athleticism and his 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 ability above the rest of the people they were playing. You know, he wound up being a pretty good player too. Yeah, yep. Um, yeah. I remember that happening. Okay, one other question that came out of the game. It's not really about last Sunday's game, but it it came out of the game because Baltimore had that fourth quarter drive and. You have had so many of those where you guys have a lead and you just are packing it away and you're running games, taking time off the clock. Are there moments as a coach where you can see the other team break? Is there, I mean, is there a physical manifestation when you've kind of taken away the will of another team? Yeah, I, I think there's, a, you know, you, you feel that at times in games. You know, you feel like you've got the edge and now you got them and, you know, we've so many games, you know, where we've run the ball 15 times in the fourth quarter, you know, to, to just pound out a, a, a win. Um, you know, we, uh, you know, you can sense that you got them. Yeah. Yeah. In that regard, I yeah. don't want to go so far as to talk about will and all that, but, but that is the, that's in the conversation, but it does feel like that at times. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Uh, so now, uh, last thing that kind of comes out of last Sunday. So you've, you've played three really good teams at home, the Rams, the, the Saints and the Ravens. One and two at home in those in those three games. So, what does that tell you? You're four and zero, and all the and all the rest. What does that tell you as we approach the midway point of where you feel the team is right now? Well, it, it leaves me to think that we we can play a lot better. We'll, we'll play better at home. I think as we're going down the stretch, we always finish well. I'm counting on that, and, and we're we got to get out of this six and two. At, you know, at the halfway point, and then and then get hot and and. Uh, I, I hate that we've lost a couple of games at home, you know, and, yeah. and that those got away from us because those are those are games that you know you like to think that just because you're at home you're going to have an advantage and you can find a way. But uh, both teams played really good against us and they really did their thing and they played the way they play, and you got to hand it to them. They they did, you know, the Saints played a really good football game, and then the Ravens, you know, they didn't give us the football. They did a nice job in all regards and, and uh, neutralized the kicking game. They did a lot of good things and. and Wound up, you know, controlling a win. We also gave them two touchdowns. I yeah. mean, we gave them two touchdowns. You know, I mean, it, they didn't have to do a whole lot on those plays. And so, 
um, that's that those are back breaking you know, difference making plays. So, but I, we just got to, we just, I think as we go through the season, we're going to play better. And if we're going to have a, a heck of a season, it's going to happen from this point forward. And you will be at the midpoint of this season about 48 hours from now. When you wrap up that game against the Falcons in Atlanta. All right, Coach, hold on. Pete Carroll will spend the rest of the half hour with us. We'll talk more about the upcoming challenge of going down to Atlanta and taking on the Falcons. Pete Carroll Show will continue as the Dory Monson Show rolls on. Seahawk coach Pete Carroll is with us as he is every Friday going into a game day weekend. And coach, you did make a trade this week. Safety Quandre Diggs, uh, you know, three-year starter in Detroit. Tell me and, and my listeners about this guy. He's an extraordinary football player. He's, uh, he's just packing dynamite, man. He, he runs and hits and flies all over the field. Really instinctive. Um, uh, really uh, a hard-hitting football player. He's a playmaker. Uh, he's really versatile. He's played up in the line of scrimmage and, fill, and filled in the you know on the running game and all of that. He can play deep middle and, and range the field. Um, he, he's a good blitzer. He's just a really good ball player. He's not a big kid, but he's really powerful and uh, really sudden. He, he'll he'll remind you some of how how Earl played when he was here. And they both went to Texas. They're both similar kind of makeup, uh, and they both have that real committed approach to the game. They really go for it. That's that's what I've loved about about uh, Q since we've seen him over the years. What do you mean he's not a big kid? Uh, he's an inch taller than me, Pete. That's really that's really hurtful to a little guy well, like me. I am me. coaching in the NFL now. Come on, <laughs> I got some pretty big guys around. <laughs> got it. Uh, I also. <laughs> I also heard that his teammates in Detroit were really bummed to lose him. Does, does that – how big – I know it's a factor. How big a factor is that, that he's loved in the locker room uh, when you are evaluating guys you want to acquire? Well, I, I love that makeup that, you know, that is, he, he is valuable to his teammates. And that when you see his style of play, you'll understand why they respect him so much. Uh, he's, he's, he's really, he really gives you everything he's got. And um, so – I can see where they would miss him, you know, and they would they would be surprised that you know the coaches would let him get away. Uh, we were really excited about the opportunity. John did a great job in, in orchestrating the trade. Uh, speaking of trades, so trades are way up in the NFL over the last decade, and I heard something fascinating this week that I wanted to get your your take on. Uh, Bill Polian, the Hall of Fame general manager. He said the old generation of GMs, you know, decade, two decades ago, their parents might have grown up in the Depression, and that might have made them a little more conservative. And he says this generation today is more transactional and more, he didn't say impulsive, but just let's get it done now. Do you, do you see, you've been around a long time. Do you see a difference in kind of that overall feeling? Yes, I, I think that's really accurate. It's astute of, of Bill who has been around a long time himself, uh, to, to observe it in that fashion. I think that guys are more willing to make, make things happen and, and, uh, and, and go for it. You know, there's a, a lot of young general managers and, and guys that have, you know, that are in the kind of a different kind of background than, you know, like you're talking about. Um, I think it's a good point by Bill, you know. 
How good is the division? You know, I'm I'm looking at the. Well, I don't know yet. We gotta wait and see. Okay, well, we gotta wait till we get you to play everybody. It, but, it, it, but the Niners look great. They're they're off to a fantastic start, and uh, they've won some tough games already. And they're doing it in good fashion with with a really good defense, and, and that always gives you a chance, you know. And they went nine nothing that that mud ball they played uh, last week, and. That's a good sign. It's a really good sign of a good club. Yeah, I mean, I know you put max emphasis on every single game, but every team's 500 or better, and uh, I would imagine that the the stakes are higher when when every single team uh, ha- has a shot like that. Well, you know, I don't know that this is important or not. I, I, sometimes I think that it is, is that every, when everybody's really good, it helps you. You know, it, it you have to you have to be ready every game, and you you have to play up week after week after week, and it just makes you better at the end of the season. And you know, some people say, "Oh, let's get the easy games," you know, and get a record way out there. But it's really how, how you're playing at the end. It doesn't matter if you're not playing well and you can't play good teams and, and battle with them. Then it's, that's why I've talked to you before. You know how it's important to win the close games and be in those close games and and fight your way through those those battles because it's going to be like that in the playoffs, you know, and so. Um, I think all of this is all part of the preparation. It gives us a chance where you could think that somebody from this division could be a really uh, big factor in the in you know in the playoff picture when it comes time. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, injuries. Russell Wilson popped up on the injury report this week, but he said just a little ice on the knee. He's fine, uh, and I, I assume that he truly is fine going into Sunday. Yeah, he looked really good here all the way through Friday, and and. Uh, had a nice little uh, week that he put behind him. Uh, he did get banged a little bit, but he but he came out of it just fine. He, and he is a remarkable healer, and and also he works so hard in his rehab. Whenever he's got anything that ever bothers him, you don't even know it. So he he, he didn't miss anything. He yeah. didn't miss a, a second all day. He uh, never all week. He never does. Uh, Dwayne Brown, DJ Fluker, how are those guys looking? Well, uh, Fluke looks really good. He's had uh, you know, last weekend, this week to prepare, so he, Fluke will definitely play. I'm not quite sure yet on Dwayne. We'll, we'll we'll go all the way up to game time on that one. Okay, a couple others: Ziggy Ansah, Bradley McDougal, Delano Hill. Uh, Delano will not play in this game. He's not ready yet. He's got a, uh, an elbow that's got to heal some more. Um, both those guys, uh, they got to get through you know, all the way to game time. They're both traveling. We'll check it out and see how they are. Uh, you know, when we get to the stadium. Okay, uh, just give me a quick note on the Falcons. They're one and six. Your your you know old friend Dan Quinn at the helm and. Uh, I know that this is just a really surprisingly tough season for them. Yeah, it's just, it, I, mean, I know it's a, it's a shocker to them because they have a good club and they've got good leadership and they've, they've got playmakers and, and uh, um, they're playing really hard. They, they did go through some transi- transitions with their coordinators, you know, and so yeah. maybe that's put them, you know, off to a slower start than they would you know, be otherwise um, without having the continuity, you know. So um, they look good. Uh, you know, the quarterback can throw it. Their backup is good. Their tailback is good. they got uh, premier receivers. The tight end is excellent. Their offensive line is experienced and been around, and they're big and really big and strong. Um, so uh, defensively, they, they've just, they haven't had the kind of – uh, stats that, that they want, you know, but they play really hard and they're doing multiple fronts and all kinds of different things that they're doing up front. And Danny's running the defense, so um, they just look good. That, that we're, you know, the team that we're preparing for. So uh, the record isn't isn't backing that up, but uh, we got our hands full just to get get another win, you know, on the road. Their their quarterback Matt Ryan, he was in a walking boot after last Sunday's game, sprained his ankle. Is it? And, and we don't know if he's gonna if he's gonna play. Is it cha- how how challenging is it? When you don't know which quarterback you're going up against as you prepare, 
It, it doesn't matter in this case at all because the quarterbacks are so similar. Their, their, their system is a pocket system. You know, the quarterback's going to be in the pocket. Uh, Matt Schaub is, is a big, strong guy. He's been around the league a long time. He's won a lot of games and, and uh, done a lot of good stuff. And so he, they, he, he jumped into the game last week and looked you know, just like they didn't skip a beat. He was 6-for-6 six six with a touchdown and looked great throwing the ball all over the place. And so – uh, it's not going to change that much. We wouldn't change our game plan much because of the style of play will be the, the same. Got it. Okay, one last thing. Uh, after their game last Sunday, Julio Jones asked to talk to his teammates, and he reportedly said about Dan Quinn, this man has done everything for us. It's on us. What does something like that tell us about both Julio Jones and Dan Quinn? Yeah, I think it's a great statement, you know, and it's a statement of leadership. I know that uh, DQ had made this comment that he isn't a player that speaks a lot. So when he does, everybody listens. Um, he's a player of great stature, and, and you know it's kind of like E.F. Hutton, you know. And so that that was impacting, and I'm sure it, it's going to rally their their spirits and all of that. Dan is a great guy, and he's a tough, real good man. And, and his players are playing really hard for him. They're just not getting the wins that that you know that they want. Um, but I think the fact that Julio stood up for him is one thing. The fact that he, that that the way he spoke about Dan, you know, is another thing. And and so I, th- I think it adds to why, uh, why we keep looking at him like this is a hard ball game and we got our hands full. There you go. I'm happy to tell you, Pete, that I'm I'm one of the guys who's old enough to get your reference to a 1970s E. F. Hutton commercial. Oh, there you go. That's that that put us out. Huh? <laughs> yeah. Somebody got it. <laughs> yeah, there you go. All right, Pete, have a fantastic trip to Atlanta. Go get them, and uh, look forward to talking to you next week. You guys, Dory. Thank you very much. Okay, Bye. thank you, Pete.